Amen. It is just a privilege to be able to worship uh, with you tonight, and whether you're here with us or you're watching this online or listening to it, we're so thankful that you've taken the time to, to pursue Jesus alongside of us. And those songs that we just sang are, are just great songs, but they're great songs for what we're talking about today because we're in the book of Hebrews. And so if you have a Bible with you, I would invite you to turn to Hebrews. We're going to be in chapter 12 uh, this evening. Uh, if you don't have one, there's one in front of you. But the book of Hebrews is all about Jesus and how Jesus is the true and better. He's better than the angels. He's better than Moses, that he's better than the high priest. He is the true and better, that he has no rival. He has no equal. He is the only one who can pay the price for sin. He's the only one who can raise us from the dead. He, because of his death and burial, we have confidence. We can lean in. We can pursue. We can hold steadfast the faith without wavering. And so because of Jesus Christ, we have the opportunity to live a life that can bring God glory. And that's what the book of Hebrews is, is all about. And I'm excited for us to be able to dive into a few verses together. And as we've been going through the Bible throughout the, the year, for those of you who've been able to stay with the whole time, just great job, hang in there. For some, you've been in and out, and that's fine too. Uh, but we're coming toward the end as we are reading Hebrews and James this week and really just have a couple weeks left as we kind of round out the, the New Testament. And it's just been an incredible journey together. And so I would love to just read uh, these verses with us. I'd invite you to read along where you're seated as well. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Looking to Jesus, the founder and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you, Jesus follower, may not grow weary or faint-hearted. This is the word of the Lord. Would you just pray with me again? Father, I just ask that in this time right now that, that you would be glorified. Holy Spirit, we ask that you have freedom to move in this place, that you would open our eyes to see you, that you would move my weaknesses out of the way, and that tonight that we would just see Jesus clearly and that we would respond in obedience, repentance, faith, the things that you would call us into. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I love this passage, and I'm so excited for us to be able to spend some time in it together. And even though it's three verses, there's so much jam-packed in these verses. And I was reading through this passage, it made me think about uh, my time in high school, which was a long time ago. And my sophomore year in high school, I had a good friend. I just started going to Daniel Boone. And uh, he, I loved playing sports, but um, had never tried out for anything there. And he ran cross-country. So he's like, you should come run cross-country with me. And I, I didn't, I mean, I knew it was running, but I didn't really know exactly how all it works. I thought, yeah, no big deal. And I was used to playing basketball and football and other sports where you run and stop and run and stop and run and stop and fast and that, that kind of thing. And so once I started getting into the cross country, I realized 
this is hard, right? It's long, it's arduous, it's difficult. And in those early days of cross country, I was never an awesome runner by any means, uh, but was just doing well to stay under 30 minutes in a three mile, which is not impressive at all. I'd never run long distance before. Uh, but during my time in, in high school, as I started doing that year after year, got better and began to learn that you have to train differently when you're thinking about a race or a marathon than when you're thinking about a sprint. It's different than when you're playing basketball or football or just, you know, out with friends versus learning how to run for a race. And this is the metaphor, uh, the picture that the author of Hebrews chooses to use to describe the faith that we have been given as Jesus followers. He uses this picture of a race. And this leads us to our big truth that we're really going to spend our whole time together talking about is this. Faith is a race. Faith is a race. Again, if you have your Bible open with you, you can see this in verse 12. It says, therefore, since we are so surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run. There, there's the key word, run with endurance, the race, there it is again, that is set before us. Well, what, is, what are we running toward? What is the race? What is that? Well, he tells us in verse 2, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our what? Our faith. And you guys have been reading through the book of Hebrews, or if you haven't, I, I would encourage you at the very least to go back and read through Hebrews 11. Hebrews 11 is one of my favorite passages in scripture, and it's just this story after story and story of the heroes of faith. And Hebrews 11 is all about faith and how these men and women of old, how they ran the race of faith. And then we get to chapter 12, verses 1 and 2 and 3, and now the author is saying, just like they ran the race of faith, we have been invited to come into the same race, that faith is a race. And this is really important for us to kind of wrestle with tonight, because I think sometimes we don't see faith this way. Sometimes we think biblical faith is belief in someone or something, or we think about faith and we think it's, it's mental ascent toward a belief system. But that's not the way that the authors of scripture describe faith. They describe biblical faith as this ongoing, obedient process of hoping in Jesus and continue to grow in that hope and grow in that obedience and grow in repentance. Faith is an action. It's an ongoing thing. Biblical faith is a race, meaning it's a continual process that we grow into, not just something that we believe in a moment. And I think this is really important for us, brothers and sisters, uh, in any season of life, but especially now as we're walking through 2020, it's not been an easy year. It's been a lot of challenges that have come into your life and my life and just our world as a whole. And right now, more than anything, the world needs to see Jesus followers who run the race of faith well. Who run with endurance, who run the race that has been set before them. So faith is a race. It's not just a one-time believing in Jesus or a one-time choosing to go to church or a one-time thinking that God might be real. It is faith in action. Well, well, how do we know that? Well, thankfully, Hebrews 11, verses 1 and 2, the author of Hebrews actually defines faith for us. And this is what he says. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for. It is the conviction 
of things not seen. It's the assurance. We can be assured that what we're hoping for is going to turn about. It is a conviction of things that we cannot see. But verse 2 is really important. For by it, the people of old received their commendation. So not through a one-time belief to the people of old, but through a practice of faith, a life of obedience. And just, just to be really clear from the beginning, faith and obedience are two sides of the same coin. You can't have faith without obedience. In the Christian walk, you can't have true obedience without faith. Like they always go hand in hand. Greater faith leads to greater obedience. Greater obedience is the result of greater faith. They, they go together, so it's a continual growing. It's a continual action. In Romans 1.17, the apostle Paul says, this, for in it, the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith, for it is written, the righteous or the just shall live by faith. So again, faith is not a decision we made way back there. Faith is what we live in now as Christians and Jesus followers. In James, which you read this past week, James makes it even more clear. In James 2.26, he says, For as the body apart from the spirit is dead, so also faith apart from works is dead. So faith that does not work, faith that does not live in obedience, faith that is not being changed, changing that person, transforming that person, it's not real faith at all. We are not saved by our works, but our faith works. We are saved to a faith that chooses to work, a faith that lives itself out. And we need this view of faith as Jesus followers. This is a time where we as God's people need to lean in to action-oriented, obedient, sacrificial, spirit-filled, enduring faith. So faith is a race, it's an action, it's a pursuit, it's a life of obedience. It is walking greater and greater in trusting God. And again, I would encourage you just to read through Hebrews 11 and see these pictures of what that looks like. Or go to Romans chapter four. Romans four is all about faith and Paul uses the picture of Abraham and how his faith was accounted to him righteousness. And you can see those pictures. But the tension that, that I want you to wrestle with is this tonight, that if faith is a race, the question for us then as Jesus followers is, how do we run the race of faith well? How do we run the race of faith? How do we run well? How do we honor God in this race that he has called us to? And so what I wanna do with the time we have remaining is just walk through some big ideas together from this passage and just kind of break down what does it look like for us to run the race of faith? And I'm just praying that as we go through these ideas that you will not just write them down, but that you will think about them, you'll pray about them. Lord, what do you want me to do with these things? How do they need to apply to my heart? How do they need to apply to my life? So the first one is this. How do we run the race of faith first? We run in community. We run in community. Again, if you're looking at verse one, you're gonna see as we walk through these verses, uh, several plural words. You're gonna see words like, since we, let us, set before us, our faith, you, plural, may not grow weary. In these short three verses, we see every single tense is a plural tense, meaning that the charge that the author is giving to the church, that is giving to us, it's not meant to be taken individually. It's meant to be taken corporately. The race that we run is meant to be a race that we run alongside other brothers and sisters in Christ. 
It's one that we are called to run in community, not just on our own. The message of faith and the message of Hebrews is a faith that's given to a community, God's people, not just to individuals. The book of Hebrews itself is written this way, as you've read through this week, that our salvation made possible by Jesus, who's the true and better priest, is not just for a person, but for a people. And so just a point of practical application for you and for me tonight is that we were not made to live in isolation. We were not made to run the race of faith individually. We were meant to run it alongside the family of God. If your engagement with the people of God is limited to coming just to the gathering or watching or listening online, you're probably not running the race of faith well. We need people around us to help us run the race of faith. God's created it this way. Again, I told you I ran cross country. One of the great things about cross country is while you can score as an individual, cross country is a team sport. It's about helping one another and those within the team scoring together. And it's something that's meant to be run as a group. And all these athletes, they line up and they wear the same uniform. And when the teams come across the line again and again and again, you're looking together to see which team as a whole gets across the line first. And this picture, this metaphor of a race, it's not just a race that I'm on or a race that you're on. It's a race that we together are on and we need the body to help us run the race well. So just a really practical point of application is who are you running with? Are you with the people of God? Are you in community? Are they helping spur you on? Are you helping spur them on? Are you trying to run the race of faith on your own? Pray that we wouldn't do that. That leads to a second big idea. We run with the encouragement and example of faithful saints. So not only do we run in community, but we run with the encouragement and the example of faithful saints. Those who've gone before us. And again, this is Hebrews chapter 11. When you look at verse 1 of chapter 12, the first word is therefore. And you've probably heard it say before, and I've heard it so many times. When you see the word therefore in scripture, we want to ask, what is the therefore, therefore? It's always pointing back. It's always helping us see that what's being said is built upon what was previously said. Well, all of chapter 11 is about the saints of old and how they ran the race of faith. And it is meant to be an encouragement to us and a model for us, an example for us to think about how we are to run the race of faith in our own lives. It says, therefore, and it says in, verse, in chapter 11, over 17 times, it has the phrase, by faith. Abraham, by faith. Enoch, by faith. Joshua, by faith. Israel by faith, Moses by faith. And, and this is the theme of chapter 11, that it's by faith that they were able to do these things that God called them to do. And so we look at their life and we pray that God would help our lives look like the life of faith that they had. We take encouragement by the way that they ran. It says, therefore, since we are surrounded, that word surrounded, it's almost, it's a clothing word. So think about putting a scarf around your neck or putting an uncomfortable mask around your neck, which we're all forced to wear these days. Being surrounded, tight knit, something around us. This is the picture of all the faithful witnesses that are around us. By so great a cloud of witnesses, that means a great 
crowd. Like the picture there is if you were in a fog and you can see that fog and it's just all around you, you can touch it. Or if you're on a mountain and the clouds are just all around you, what he's saying is this picture is that the saints who've gone before us, they are watching and cheering us on by their example. And that might be metaphorical, that might be literal, we don't know, this is the only place scripture talks about it, so we don't wanna draw too much into that, but the picture here is that all these saints that have gone before us get access to encourage us by their walk in how you and I run the race that God has set before you and that God has set before me. We need people in our lives who can be examples for us, and these saints are pictures of that for us. It's when we think about the, the picture of running the race, this isn't a solo person doing some trail climbing up on a mountain or running on a mountain, but the picture that scripture is presenting in these words, it's the picture of arena. And we are running in this race and in this arena all around are the saints of old, the saints who walk faithfully, the martyrs of old, the ones who've gone before and they're cheering on as they look at your life and my life and, and urging us to live for Jesus faithfully in the race that he's called us. That's, that's the picture that the author wants us to see here. So he says, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, we talked about this word a few weeks ago, the translation there would be martyrs. So let's say it that way. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of martyrs, let us lay aside every weight and sin and run with endurance the race set before us. So it's this picture that the men and women who've gone before us, they laid down their lives. And, and you can read the stories of old. Some of these stories are really good, like people received their, their loved ones back from the dead. They put foreign armies to flight, but then others were tortured, refusing to accept release so they might rise to a better life, Hebrews eleven thirty five. Others suffered they were mocked, they were flogged, changed in imprisonment. They were stoned, some were sawn in two, they were killed with a sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats and destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy, wandering in deserts, mountains, dens, and caves of the earth. And so some had these massive testimonies of healing and miracle and others, they, they died, but both live by faith and it's celebrating both of their lives and it's calling us to say, now we get to walk in the path that they walk. We get to run the race that they run, the race of faith. May we run it well. May we learn from them. A faithful life is not a pain-free life. But the race of faith, as it's been said before, is a long obedience in the same direction. It's a steady moving forward, pushing forward, fighting forward, running for the prize that God has called us to. And these saints are an encouragement to help us run well. So let me just give you a few practical points of application that I, that I hope are helpful to you. One is this, we are not alone as we run the race of faith. Amen? Like one of the greatest lies of the enemy is he wants you to feel alone. 
He wants you to think that what you're going through, the struggles you're experiencing, the temptations you're experiencing, the challenges you're experiencing, no one else knows what you're going through. No one else understands you're messed up, you're broken, you're on your own. But what this passage tells us is that you are not alone. That There's a great cloud of witnesses that have run the race before you, that are running the race now. And so it's an encouragement to know that as we run, we are not running by ourselves, but we are joining in a race that has been going on. We get to be a part of that. Second point of application, we need to lean into the encouragement and example of these faithful saints. Well, how do we do that, Paul? What does that look like? Really simply, it's this. We need to study God's word. These saints won't be an encouragement to us. They won't be an example to us unless we become people who love this book. We don't just read the Bible from time to time, but we delight in it, we study it, we memorize it, we meditate on it, we feed our souls in it. And as we do that, we get to see the examples of faith and we get to pray, not that we would be like them in their successes and failures, but that God would give us the same kind of faith that he put into them. Are you, am I, are we students of the word? Third, we need to remember This is important, that faithfulness doesn't mean perfection. Faithfulness doesn't mean perfection when we think about running the race well. Because when you think about these saints of old, and you read about Abraham, and you read about Moses, and you read about Jacob, we know their backstories. Guess who else is in the hall of faith? Samson is in the hall of faith. And we start reading these stories like, Why are we looking to these people? Like they made major mistakes. Yes, that's the point. They're not held up because they lived perfect, sinless lives. They're held up because they trusted in their God. And the good news of looking at their life is it forces us to look at our lives and not put our hope in these men and women of old, but to put our hope in Jesus Christ. And it's also good news for us is so that we can know that even when we fail, when we sin, when we fall short, just like these heroes of the faith did, that God still used them, that God still formed faith in them, that they repented of their sins and they pushed forward in following God. And brothers and sisters, that's meant to be a model for us. Failure is not final for those who are in Jesus. We are called to press forward in obedience, just like these men and women of faith did. So we run in community, we run with the encouragement and example of faithful saints. Third, we run laying aside every weight and every sin. Look again at verse one. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us, so this is an action word, this is a command, also, so like they did, lay aside, that means to put down, put away, set aside. This, this word lay aside is the exact same word used in Acts 7 when a Stephen is being stoned and all the people are taking off their cloaks and they're laying them down at the feet of Saul. They are laying aside their garments. This is what he's saying we're supposed to do. We lay aside what? Every weight and every sin. This is so important. We lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. This is important. Friends, if you're a Jesus follower in this room, there are some weight and sins that are gonna tend to hold on tightly in your life. 
that for us to run the race of faith well, we have to lay them aside. We have to put them down. So let's talk about what that means for a minute. Every weight, what is a weight? A weight is something that keeps your grip on the world instead of Jesus Christ. So most of the weights in our life, they're, they're not sins, they're good things, but they're good things that draw our attention away from Jesus Christ. That could be money, that could be possessions, that could be plans, whatever those things are, but something that's in your life that in and of itself is not evil, it's keeping you though from running the race of faith as well as you could. So let me just give an example uh, just in, in my own personal life. When I was in college, I loved to play PlayStation. I loved to play Madden, play video games. Like that was fun. That was where I am. But when I got into later part of my life as a married man and in school and all those things, I had to lay that aside because it was becoming a distraction to my faith, my pursuit of my wife, other things. Is, are video games wrong? Are video games bad? No, they're, they're not bad. But for me, it was a distraction to running the race of faith well. For some of us in this room, that could be sports. For others in that room, that could be social media, that when you get on Facebook or you get on Instagram, you're more frustrated, anxious, and depressed than when you got on. That's probably most of us, right? It's not helping spur you on. No pointing, we can't do that. I saw that hand back there. You know, have to do some other repenting after this is over. Uh, but those things, if they pull us away, if they distract, if they pull us down, and you know what those things are in your life, that maybe a brother or sister in Christ, they are free to pursue that. But for you, you know it distracts you from loving the word. It distracts you from loving your neighbor. It distracts you from loving Jesus. Really practically, what's, what's a good thing in your life that's taken too high a place that you might need to set aside. That's what he's saying. He said, we lay those things aside. We cast them down so that we can run effectively the race that God has called us to. When I started running cross country, one of the most difficult things about running cross country when you're a high school boy is you have to wear short shorts, um, which I was not expected to, and like really, really thin clothing. And the reason is, and you wear flats on your feet, you want to remove every single weight, every single hindrance so that you can run further and run faster. Now, do you have to wear short shorts to be an effective runner? No, but it helps you by removing that weight, removing the drag. That's the picture that's here, that we remove the things out of our life that would keep us from faithfully following Jesus. But not only are we called to remove every weight, he says we are called to remove every sin. Every sin. It's so really practically, brothers and sisters, do you know what are some of the common sins in your life? Some of the common idols in your life that your heart's prone to? What he's saying here is we are called to put those things to death, to pursue holiness. John Owen, the famous Puritan pastor said, be killing sin or sin will be killing you. Like, there's no middle ground with sin. You're either putting it to death or it's putting working death in you. You, you can't deal with your sin. It's, it's like having a pet lion, like it's not a good idea. It's gonna end up biting you at some point. Like you, you gotta get rid of it. You gotta get out of your life. You've gotta put it to death. And God has called his people to pursue holiness. And can I just be really straightforward with us tonight? I think one of the greatest 
weaknesses and sins of the American church is we are people who really don't value holiness. We are called to holiness, not just to be positionally holy in Christ, which we are, but to pursue holiness in every single area of our lives. What is holiness? Well, J.I. Packer helps. He gives us a definition. He says, holiness means being near God, like God, wholly given to God, and pleasing God. It means every part of you being lived for God, which means every sin has to be led aside, it has to be killed, it has to be put away. I've put all kinds of verses in your notes. You can go back and do some study on this, but I think one of the greatest sins in our life is that we have a hole in our holiness. 1 Peter 1, 14 through 16 says this, as obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. Meaning when you were in sin, you were ignorant that you were in sin. But if you're a Jesus follower, you're not ignorant anymore. But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy for I am holy. As we've gone through the Old Testament, we see God cares about his holiness. God has set his people apart to be holy, and now we are called to join in that race. 1 Thessalonians 4.3 says, for this is the will of God. Do you want to know God's will for your life? Anybody in here, you want to know what God's will for your life is? This is God's will for your life, your sanctification. And that word sanctification, the Greek, it's the exact same word that Peter uses for holiness. What's God's will for your life? That you would be holy, like he is holy. You'd put sin to death, that you'd pursue him. Pastor Robert Murray McShane said this, my people's greatest need, talking about his congregation, is my personal holiness. Not my people's greatest need is for me to be a better preacher, or better shepherd, or better at visitation, no, my people's greatest need is my own personal holiness. Can I speak to you for a minute? Father, mother, your children's greatest need in your life is your holiness. Husbands, wives, your spouse's greatest need is not more money in the bank account or better communication skills or a better vacation plan. It's your holiness. What the world needs from the church is our holiness set apart, being visibly seen so that the world can see the beauty of Christ through the way that we live. So again, very practically, what weights and sins do you need to lay aside in your life? What next step of confession and repentance do you need to make so that you can run the race of faith well? Fourth big idea is this, we run the race that God has given to us. We run the race that God has given to us. Again, looking at verse one, we're just working our way through this verse. Looking to Jesus, or I'm sorry, uh, lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance, there's the key part, the race that is set before us. What does that mean? That means that if you are on this planet in October of 2020, Wherever you are, whatever God has called you to, this is the race that he has set before you. 
I don't know about you, but it's really easy for me to be tempted to long to get to run a different race. Why, God, are you bringing this into my life? Why, God, do I have to go through this? I wish I could just be her. I wish I could just be him. I wish you'd just take this thing away. Brothers and sisters, God has called us to run the race that he has set before us. And you might have more questions than answers, but the way we run the race of faith well is we step into the race that God has given us and we say, God, I don't know why, I don't know how, I don't know what, but I am following you in this. What has God called you to now? Are you running that race well now? Are you taking the race that he has given you or are you longing to have a different race to run? Embrace the race that God has given you. Ask God to help you run where you are as a parent, in your job, at your school, with your friends, through the sickness, through the pain, through the death. Whatever you're walking through right now, God has placed you there for his glory, your good, and the good of those around you. Don't despise the race that God has called you to run. Lean into it. Thank him for it. Trust him with it. Step forward in faith. This is what God calls us to. Fifth big idea. Not only do we run the race God has given to us, but we run with endurance. Let us run with endurance, 12-1, the race that is set before us. Again, the action word, let us, let us Run this race. Let us run with endurance. Let us, as a call to action, run with endurance. That word endurance means perseverance, patience, steadfastness. To wait. That's hard for us, right? To wait with expectation. That's what it means to endure. To stay the course. Brothers and sisters, right now in 2020, there's a lot of Christians who are struggling to endure, to maintain, to wait, to push forward. That we're not in a sprint, we're in a marathon. Keep pressing on, keep moving forward. And I've given you some verses that you can go back and read in this, but I love the picture from 1 Corinthians 9, 24 through 27. Paul says, do you not know that in a race all runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable, so do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one being the heir, but I discipline my body to keep it under control lest after preaching to others, I might be disqualified. The apostle Paul says, I endure, I discipline myself, I push forward, I fight forward, I want to finish the race well. This is what endurance looks like. God, I am struggling, I don't have the strength, I don't know what to do, but give me the faith, give me the faith to keep being obedient, to keep being faithful in this season, whatever comes my way. There's so much more we could talk about that, but we have been overcome by this false health and wealth gospel that says that if you love Jesus, you can do what you want, be what you want, God is for you, everything's gonna be great, and that's not the Christian life. God is for you, and God loves you, and God loves you enough that he's going to allow you to walk through pain, but give you the strength you need to follow him faithfully in it. 
are we enduring? The beautiful thing about this word endure is that he doesn't just call us to endure, but he calls us to endure like someone. And that person is Jesus. Look with me. I love this. Verse one, let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder, the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, look at the word, endured the cross. So how do we endure? We look at the one who endured. We look to the God of endurance, as Romans 14 says. Despised in the shame and is now seated at the right hand, the throne of God. Verse three, considered him who, here's the word again, endured from sinners such hostility against himself. Why? So that you and I may not grow weary or faint hearted. Isn't that beautiful? Jesus endured so that you and I would not grow weary and faint-hearted. He endured to the end so that we can endure, which leads us to our last big idea. We run with our gaze fixed on Jesus. How do we run? We run in community. How do we run? We run looking at the example of the saints. How do we run? We lay aside weights and sin. How do we run? We run the race that God has set before us. How do we run? We run with endurance. But all of that is centered by looking at Jesus. We can run the race of faith because Jesus first ran the race of faith in your place, in my place. That for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. He despised the shame. So now we can endure whatever life brings our way because of Jesus. See, the outcome of our faith matters. The faithfulness of our lives matter to God. But the thing that matters most about faith is not necessarily the outcome of our lives, but it's the object of our faith. It's the object of our faith. What are you looking to? What are you hoping in? Look to Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. So brothers and sisters, the question is this. Are you running the race of faith well? I'm just gonna invite you to bow your heads and, and let this be a time of response. I'm gonna invite the team to come up and they're gonna lead us in just a time of worship as we respond to the gospel. But just as you're there, I, I just wanna ask you some questions. Just do some self-examination. First question is this, are you running in community? Are you running community? Are you running with others? Do you have people who are helping spur you on that you can look at their faith and they're pushing you in your faith? Are you running in the word? Can you see the saints? Do you see the witnesses? Do you love the word? Is it changing you? For some of you tonight, for a lot of us, I think the prayer might be, what do you need to lay aside? What is the weight? What is the sin? It's clinging so closely right now that you need to repent of and turn to Jesus. What is the race that God has called you to in 2020 right now? Are you accepting it as God's assignment for you? Are you struggling with endurance? Are you weak and weary? Are you faint hearted right now? 
maybe tonight in the singing and in worship and just praying is an opportunity to say, Lord, please give me endurance. Give me strength. The last question is, your gaze, is it fixed on Jesus tonight? Or is it fixed on something else? What are you hoping in tonight? What kingdom are you living for tonight? Father God, I just pray for my brothers and sisters. I think in this day, our world so desperately needs to see a people who are running the race of faith well. not just to get through, help us not just to be distracted, Lord, help us to be faithful, grow our faith in this season, grow our endurance, grow our holiness in this season, help Jesus to be the only thing that we set our gaze on and look to in this season, and ask that you do that through the work of your spirit, and that your bride this bride, Tri-Cities Baptist Church, and your bride around the world, that we would be a shining beacon of faith for the world to see. And that in our days, that many would come to know you, Savior and Lord, because of the way we run the race. We ask these things in Jesus' name.